was reading this week that David from David Wells, he wrote this. He said, you know, our world has slowly exited the moral world. And it now lives instead in a psychological world. The difference is, is in the world that we grew up in, there was a right or wrong. And in this world that we're living in now, there's not. In this world, people don't think in terms of right or wrong. They, they, they think in terms of, am I comfortable or not? Am I psychologically healthy or not? Am I dysfunctional or not? But the one thing this world will never say today is I'm a sinner. And that's the world God has called us to. Now the good news is that's where the gospel flourished. There's nothing new under the sun. We're living in a world where it's much more, it is, it is, it is counterculture, it is going against the flow of, of, the, of our culture to, to confess Christ. Now, if you confess Christ as someone, as someone or something that helps you along the way, that's fine. If you confess Christ as, as your way of religion, that's all right. But if you confess Christ as the only way, and if you confess Christ is Lord of all, then you're going against the flow. Now, unfortunately, Paul reminds us that we are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That is when we, I can't remember who said it. They said this. They said, if you want to know what water is, don't ask a fish. Because a fish swims in it all day. He doesn't take time to think about it. And sometimes we as Christians, we're swimming in our culture and we don't always think about it and we're never, we don't always realize how much our culture affects us and how we think. I don't know about you, but I need what the Puritans called my conscience cut. They said preaching should, should cut the conscience. That is, what they meant by that was it's easy for us sometimes to come to the Word of God and, not, and say, well, that doesn't really, I don't see how that applies to me. Or sometimes we, we read about a sin and and, and, and we, well, that's that's not really my problem. And that's exactly what Jesus has been doing in the passages 
of Scripture that we've been reading. He's been, he, yes, he's, as I said at the beginning of the series, Jesus is preaching to his disciples, but he knows that there are, there are, those, there are those who are around him who are curious, and there are those around him who oppose him. He says, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And I'm sure when the scribes and Pharisees heard that, their ears perked up. What do you mean? <laughs> We're not good enough? And so Jesus has been going in and he's been, he's been cutting the conscience by saying, you know, you, you think you don't have a problem with murder, but, but in reality, if you go back to the intention of the law, then you recognize that the Action began with an attitude. And I can find that can happen to me at times. I can go to the Word of God and, and, and I'm thinking, I'm okay. But I'm praying today, and, and God has, I, I want you to know that God has cut my conscience in this passage today. And I pray that he'll continue to. And I pray that he'll do the same for you. Let's hear what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. Again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you, are, you have sworn, but but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Father, I pray today that the Holy Spirit will prick our conscience, cut it. Lord, we need that because it reminds us of how much we need Jesus. But we also need it because, as we said, I believe in Sunday school, Lord, we, we want to please you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us today. Give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say to us through this word, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Jewish teachers in Jesus' day insisted that they had an obligation to the truth. In fact, the, they, 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 they said the world stands fast on three things, justice, truth, and peace. In fact, they, they went on to say that there are four types of people who will be shut out from the presence of God. Those who are uh, scoffers, who scoff and say there is no God. Those who are hypocrites, they said the liars, and those who retail slander. They're shut out from the kingdom of God and from God's presence. They prided themselves on telling the truth. 
And yet what Jesus is doing in this passage that we've read is helping them to see that they actually did not tell the truth because they not only they not only practiced they codified they made it legal ways you can get around breaking a promise of saying one thing and and not and then being able to not do it And Jesus is going to come back and he's going to say to us, listen, you can't shade the truth. Do not shade the truth. Now, when I said they codified it, uh, let let me tell you where they got this from. Jesus says what? He he says to them, uh, you've heard it said, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Now, to go back to understand what's going on here, you really have to go back to the book of Numbers, chapter 30, verse 2, where Moses says, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. Now, straightforward reading. What does it mean? Do what you say you're going to do. If you swear that you're going to do something, do it. But over the centuries, the rabbis, the Jewish leaders, focused on that phrase, to the Lord. To the Lord. Now, now, notice Moses says, if a man vows a vow to the Lord, Ah, then he's obligated. Now, you and I read it and we say, God wants us to keep our promises. They read it and said, you only have to keep your promise if you make it to the Lord. And so they came up with all kinds of vows. And and in it, there was levels of how you should keep it. So if you swore to the Lord, you are under obligation to keep that. If you swore to heaven, well, that's where the Lord lives. That's not the Lord, but that's getting close, so you're you pretty sure you need to keep that. Now, if you swear to Jerusalem, well, that's God's city, so it still has something to do with the Lord. You should keep that, but it's not as important as if you swore to the Lord. Now, if you swear on the hair of your head, I swear on every hair of my head, well, you can, that I'm going to do this, or I, I promise that this is true. If you swear on every hair of the head, well, that's not really of the Lord, so, you know, that doesn't really matter. Isn't that interesting? That these people who prided themselves on truth came up with ways to break it. Now, before we get all judgmental on them, <laughs> let's look at what we've been taught over the years. You remember as kids, you could say, you could tell a lie, but if you what? If you crossed your fingers, it doesn't count. Well, it was just a little white lie. 
or what? Uh, uh, well, you know, actually, it's better for me to... To, well, it's just a half-truth. It, it was a, it, you know, I, I told part of it. I just didn't tell the whole thing. And the big one for our generation is, well, that's true for you. But that's not necessarily what? True for me. And Jesus reminds us here in this passage he he's he's trying to get at the, the point that 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 you can't you can't get around the truth you you can't shade it you you got to be truthful we we must be people who speak the truth who live the truth why because we follow the one who says he is the truth and if we you know we have a fundamental responsibility to be true to our word, to keep our promises, whether spoken or written. Listen, if truth is not practiced, it's not truth at all. And so we have to come back to ourselves and we go, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I, I try to keep my promises and, you know, and I try. But nobody's perfect. Well, you're right. Nobody is. And. That's the point. That's the point. You've broken God's law. What do you call somebody who tells a little white lie? They're a liar. They're sinners. And sinners need Jesus. But the second thing I want you to see that Jesus is teaching in this passage of Scripture is, is that we're not to compartmentalize our faith. We're not to compartmentalize our faith. Now think about this for a moment. You go to your, you go to your kitchen, okay? Go to your kitchen and you have different drawers in your kitchen, don't you? In one drawer you have your eating utensils, your forks, your knives, your spoons, things that you use to eat with. You got another drawer. Here's utensils that you do what? You cook with. So you put eating utensils in one drawer. You put cooking utensils in another drawer. In another drawer, you might have towels. In another drawer, you just have a junk drawer where everything else goes. But you have different drawers. Unfortunately, this is what the Pharisees were doing and the scribes and the teachers of the law. And sometimes this is what we do. Do you hear what they said? You hear what they you hear what they're saying? You know, he says, "Do not take an oath to the Lord, and do not take an oath to Jerusalem. Do not take an oath to the hair on your head." Why was he saying that? Well, what they were saying was this: if you vow a vow to the Lord, that's sacred, and you're under the greatest obligation to keep that. But if you swear an oath on the hairs on your head, may I go bald if I? I just thought of that this morning. You said something about being bald this morning. You know, I swear by the, that I swear that I'll lose the hair on my head if, if, if this is not true. And they said, well, the hairs on your head is not, there's nothing sacred about that. 
So you're not under obligation. See, do you hear, do you hear the, how they compartmentalize? Do you, do you hear the point Jesus is making? You're, you're separating things that should never be sacred because he says, don't swear on your head. You, you can't control whether your hair is black or white or gray or there or not. You can't control that. Who controls that? The Lord does. Why? Because you're created in his image. There is no, there is no separation. There is no sacred and secular. It all belongs to the Lord. But unfortunately, what we do as Christians sometimes, we do the same things that they were doing. We have our drawer. This is our everyday life drawer. This is my job. This is my family. This is my play. This is, my, these, this is where I spend most of my time in this drawer because this affects every part of my everyday life. And then sometimes what we do is we have another drawer. This is our church drawer. This is my Sunday drawer. This is my spiritual drawer. And in it, I have my worship attendance. I have my, I have my, uh, uh, I have my giving my tithes and offerings. I have my singing my songs. I have my devotion time. This is my drawer. This is so when I'm here, it has nothing to do with here. And when I'm here, it really has nothing to do with here. Isn't that true sometimes? That's how we think sometimes. And that's what Jesus is saying. There is no two drawers. There's really only one drawer in your life. When Jesus said what? He said in Matthew 6, 33, he said what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Now, here's how we interpret that. Okay, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. So I'm going to, first thing first, I'm going to make sure in the morning I have my prayers and, 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 and I go to church and I give my tithes and offerings. So I did it, what? First. And then I can go about and do everything else. That's not what Jesus is saying. When he says seek first, he's saying that's the priority of your life that overshadows everything else that you do. It overshadows everything else that you do. I, I love what uh, Paul David Tripp said. He said this. He said, your purpose in life is to make the invisible presence of Jesus visible in the lives of others. You are the look on Jesus' face. You are the tone of his voice. You are the touch of his hands. You are the physical representative of his grace. This is your mission in every situation, location, and relationship of your life to make the grace of the invisible king visible. That's what it means to seek first. That's the drawer that we have. I have one purpose, and that is to make the grace of the invisible king visible through me. Now, if we're all honest, at one point or another, we, we've separated that. Have we not? Oh, yes, I, I love Jesus, and I want to make sure he... But, but when I'm at work, man, I got to... My, my, my purpose at work is this. No, your purpose at work, yes, is... You're there, you have to make money, you have to, you have to be the best employee that your company own, has. But why? 
is not to lift you up, but it's to lift who up? Jesus. That every place in your life, you have one purpose, one mission, and that is to make the invisible grace of our King visible to everyone around us. And listen, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. Too often I get wrapped up in myself and in my own what I need to do that I, 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 don't, I don't think about that. I don't think about that. You know, I, you know my greatest example is, is going to the store. You know what my purpose in going to the store is? to get out as quickly as possible. Now, I'm married to one who likes to shop. Now, when I'm with her, I'll shop for a while, and then I'll go do what? Find a place to sit and wait. But even then, I'm thinking about who? Thinking about myself. When I go to the store by myself, my, my, my goal is to get in, get out. And you know, what, is, what really is my purpose there? Is it to buy the green beans? Is it to, to buy the dog food? No. My purpose there is to make the visible, the invisible king visible to everybody there. And I'm, this, is, well, this is one of the areas where God has cut me this week. And said, Steve, you're going to preach this. You better, you, this better capture your heart. And this better be your prayer every place you go. Lord, help my mission to be to make the invisible king visible to everyone around me. Which means, yes, I, I may want to get in and get out, but, but I need to have my eyes open and, and looking where people are. And, and, I, I, and I have to make sure that, that, that I'm looking at the people around me. And yes, I know it's easy because I know the best cashier in most, in most grocery stores today is me. I've been hired at Walmart. At every place, because they've hired me to check out my own stuff, because that's the easiest thing for me to do, because that allows me to do what? To get in and get out. But what if God had called me there just to give a little bit of something to that cashier, even though there's only one or two of them, with 28 different lanes to choose from? But what if that's my purpose? Did I, did I really, am I really fulfilling what God has called me to do if I don't just take that time? Because, that's the, uh, because that may be the only interaction with somebody that I get to have in that store. No, no, when God says he cuts, man, it hurts. Because I'd much rather get in and get out. 
I'd much rather go in and go out and not talk to a soul. And yet God is saying to me, Steve, I'm putting people around you every day. But you're not taking the time. And so let me ask you a question. Is the mission of your entire life, whether it's at home or school or work or play, wherever you are, is the mission of your entire life today to make the invisible king visible to everyone around? Do you walk out the door and say, I may be the only voice of Jesus that somebody hears today. I may be the only touch of Jesus. Because what? We are the what? We are the body of Christ. And I can't compartmentalize my life. I can't say that my only job here is to get in and get out of the store quick enough. My only job here is to fill up my gas tank when I'm at the gas station. That's not my only job when I stop there. My job is to look around and at least, if nothing else, pray for the person who's pumping gas in front of me. told you, when he cuts, he cuts hard. And so I can't compartmentalize my life. And God said, Steve, you do it too often. But then he says, make promises you can keep. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, The reason he says this is because, again, because these people were saying, we're we're saying, yes, I promise to do this, but I'm promising by the hair on Jimmy's head, and so I don't really have to keep that. Or they were just making, they, they they were making all these promises and oaths, and you do it enough, what? It means nothing after a while. And so Jesus says, well, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, I know that there are some denominations who teach, uh, I know the Quakers, for example, use this passage to teach that you should never take an oath. I don't think that's what Jesus is teaching here. We, we have to take an oath. Everyone, until death do us part. And we do that. If you've ever been called to witness on a stand, you'll, you'll be called to take, and that's serious. But in everyday life, we're, we're just called to, to, to you know, to, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to do it. And if I'm not, just go ahead and say, no, I'm not. Now, I'll be honest with you. Here's where God cut me again. Because I'm a people pleaser. Anybody here like that? You don't want to make anybody upset. So what do you do? 
Somebody asks you to do something, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Because at that moment, what do you want to do? You want to make that person happy. And so one of the hardest things some of us have to do is to let your no be no. And that's a hard thing for some of us. So if I teach you to say no, you can say no to everybody else, but don't say no to me, okay, please? Kidding. And so sometimes in order to, 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 to be right, when, when, when I say yes, I'm going to do something, i got to make sure that I do it. And I'll be honest with you, there have been times that I've said yes and I didn't do it. And I may have hurt some of you in that, and, I, and for that, I'm sorry. This is where God's cut me this week. But for me, one of the things I have to learn to say is no. And, and to do that, I have to do it prayerfully. Lord, is, this is where we're living in one, with one drawer. Before I say yes or no, what should I do? Lord, is this something that you need me or want me to do? How long does that take? Doesn't take but a few minutes. And if the Lord doesn't want me to, if the Lord doesn't want me to, and, and somebody that's, you know, and I have to say no, then I say no what? Lovingly. We speak the truth in love. You know, you know, it, it, it's most of the time people are not going to be upset with us if we can't do something or, or, or another, if we do it lovingly and say, I'm sorry, I just can't do that right now. As long as we do it lovingly, people are not going to be offended. And we have to say no gently. What does the Bible teach us? A gentle answer does what? Turns away wrath. And if we do it in the right way, we can say no and let our no be no. And yet when we read it, if you're like me, you go... Okay, God, you, you, you've caught me. You've caught me. I've not always done that. Sometimes I've overextended myself. Sometimes I said yes just to please you and to please somebody in that moment, and then the next thing I do, forgot about it. Let me tell you one that we all are guilty of sometimes. Anybody ever been guilty? Uh, you don't have to raise your hands. Anybody here ever been guilty of saying, yeah, I'll pray for you? And then walk away, and, and then the next time you see him, you go, Lord, please, I forgot to pray for him, but Lord, just whatever the situation was, I can't really remember right now, but Lord, I just pray that you bless them. <laughs> hmm. Maybe when somebody asks us to pray, maybe we ought to just stop in that moment and just pray. But we're all guilty. Now, there's two things with that. Number one, that tells us how much we need Jesus. 
That's why we need his grace. But you know what it else it tells us? It tells us that we need grace from each other. I know grace doesn't excuse sin. But the Bible teaches us what? Love covers a multitude of sins. That love can just say, I'm going to just choose to forgive. And I'm going to stick with you. Even though you hurt me. Because I know that I've been guilty too. And then it means this, I, I want to do everything I can to please the Lord. And so I, I, I'm committing, so Lord, from this passage today, I, I'm committing that, that I'm not going to shade the truth. It, 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 I'm going to, you know, I, I know I, I, sometimes truth hurts, but, but Lord, I'm going to speak the truth in love. And I'm not going to shade it. And Lord, I, I know that sometimes I've lived my life where I compartmentalized and I said, this is sacred, this is, uh, this is secular, and, and Lord, no, there's just one drawer in my life. And I want to live with that one purpose. And Lord, I know it's hard for me to say no to people. Because Lord, I know for me, I, I, I'm too much of a people pleaser. I, I know that's, that's me. But Lord, I know that in doing that, I may not please you because I may overextend myself and, and, and not fulfill everything I say I'm going to do. So Lord, help, my, help me just to be able to say yes and to say no.